Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for IT Health Atlanta. Brought to you by Team Logic IT, your technology advisor. Now, here's your host, Rick Higgins. Well, welcome and good morning, everyone, to the IT Health Atlanta radio show, the show that profiles small businesses and business people and highlights how those companies use technology to succeed. IT Health Atlanta is brought to you by Team Logic IT, your managed services advisor, specializing in cybersecurity and cloud solutions. Team Logic IT leverages cutting edge technology, technology to solve all types of business problems. We make technology work for business. Go to ithelpatlanta.com for audio archives of this radio show and to learn more about our sponsor, Team Logic IT. I'm your host, Rick Higgins. And today's special guests are Jason Sleeman, uh, Vice President of Craft Beverage Lending of United Community Bank, and Roy Hickman, owner and operator of Accent Graphics. Good morning, gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Glad to have both of you. We're going to jump right into the interview process. We're going to go one at a time. We're going to start with Jason. Jason, uh, good morning. Tell, tell the audience who you are and what do you do? Yeah, thank you. So uh, my name is Jason Sleeman. I lead the National Craft Beverage Lending Effort for United Community Bank. So what that means is we provide financing to breweries, wineries, distilleries. Uh, we're really focused right now on expansion opportunities, and we're just trying to help them finance their growth and uh, bring their brands uh, to bigger and better things. Is that a uh, is that just in Atlanta only, or are you nationwide? How do you how do you divvy up your the 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 country? So that it's 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 me across the whole country. So uh, a lot of it is leveraging partners. So leveraging the manufacturers of the equipment, leveraging the attorneys in each state, the CPAs that have a specialty in that industry. So a lot of it is networking with the people who know the end user, uh, just because of the fact that. I can't cover all 50 states, so I have to know the right people uh, that are connected with the people who actually need to borrow the money. Very interesting. And uh, do you find that, um, at least before COVID, were you traveling uh, out to this to these types of deals? Yeah, so there, there was a, a decent bit of travel, and uh, COVID brought that to a pretty fast screeching halt. Yeah. I am hoping that in March, there's a big conference called uh, CBC, which is Craft Beverage Conference. Uh, it's out in California this year. So I'm hoping that travel starts to kind of pick back up and that will actually happen with in-person attendance. So just in general, and, and for the uh, sake of the audience, you know, here we are, it's, it's the end of October of 2020, where uh, eight or nine months deep into the uh, COVID pandemic situation. Um, some states have opened up in Georgia. We've, we've opened up almost hundred percent and uh, other states are, are different, but for you, Jason, um, besides the travel issue that we just talked about, how has COVID impacted your industry and, and your particular niche? I think you hit the namer, uh, you hit the hammer on the nail uh, and you, you talked about Georgia uh, and the fact that Georgia is wide open. It's amazing when you start looking at some of the financials for these guys here locally in Georgia, some of them are having their best year ever. So some of these guys are really uh, just, you know, really need the opportunity because their sales are through the roof. 
when you make that comparative to California or Oregon or some of those more West Coast opportunities, they've got a lot more density and they're very reliant on people coming in and drinking beer in their tap rooms. And so you're starting to see a decent bit of failures out there. And, you know, as, as states open and close and open and close, you know, California has a requirement that you have to make a reservation to go into a brewery. And if no one makes a reservation, then you can't open your door for the day. And so that it's, it's really uh, becoming regionalized where some breweries are flourishing Uh, the Southeast. a, A lot more of the breweries are having good solid kind of finishing of the years where, you know, you've got stuff in the Northeast or out on the West coast where they're struggling a little bit just because of the limitations and the laws they're having to live with it. Why is it important for a, uh, a craft brewery owner or an investor to, to work with a banker that specializes in this particular niche? So all too often, uh, right. A great commentary I was on a, there's a Facebook group and this person basically said, well, the SBA doesn't like craft beverage right now. And so it was a great wide open conversation that I could go and say, you know, you know, you got to think about what the SBA does. The SBA is really focused on providing a backstop when loans go bad, right? They, they give the banks an incentive to uh, make the loans that are a little bit more risky. What you've got to find is you've actually got to find a bank that likes the industry. And so all too often, someone will just go into a, a mega bank or they'll go into their local credit union or bank and they'll say, I'm, I'm starting or expanding a brewery. Well, if you've only seen one of those, it looks like a pretty scary thing. And you don't understand terminology like barrels and, you know, the, the th- three-tiered system is in, in distribution. And because they don't understand that, you start looking at numbers and they say, well, you're not as healthy as you would like to be. Well, if you've seen a hundred of them, you can say, well, look at this. You're right at the same point as where you should be. And here's what we expect your next 12 months to look like. And we can lend off of understanding historical patterns of seeing these multiple times. Great answer. Um, so you, you lead me right into my next question. And that is, well, let's just pretend for the sake of this question that we're not dealing with the extra variable of COVID, but talk to me about stumbling blocks for brewery owners and, and uh, how, you know, what, what are they, what are, would they normally or typically see and how do you help them with that? So the, the number one stumbling block is usually raising their, their fair share of capital, right? So going out and raising equity. Um, I'll I'll give you an example. I have a guy right now that brews good beer uh, and he is short personally. He, he can't personally make the, the needed equity uh, to make the, the deal happen. So I told him, I said, hey, look, you should go out and find a partner investor. And this becomes such an interesting conversation because he went out and he found someone that had super net worth. Like he, he would be a certified rich guy for sure. And I came back to him and I said, hey, I've got bad news for you. You can't qualify for the loan now because your partner's too rich. And he said, what do you want me to do now? Right. And so it's such an interesting place for these brewers to find a sweet spot in between. How do you find the people that have the appropriate leadership? Right. Because some people have never brewed beer and they want to start a brewery. So you've got to have in your leadership team, uh, someone who actually knows how to brew the beer and has the uh, experience on large equipment. And then you also need people that have the financial wherewithal to understand the books and understand the revenue and understand uh, the equity injection part of it. So 
really what you find if if you were going to kind of number them, the number one stumbling block is, is raising capital. People used to really want to invest in breweries. It used to be kind of the sexy thing. And so it wasn't hard to find investors. It's a little bit harder now to find investors. You know, people with market conditions are pulling back from that. And then the other part of it is being able to balance appropriately the operational side. Uh, so understanding brewing and the financial side, understanding the business acumen. And that that becomes a stumbling block. So you'll show up and someone you'll ask someone for a PL, uh, a projected PL or, or, or projections. And you can see the uh, dazed and confused look and you say, okay, great. Let me start advising you those. So the, the biggest stumbling block is just kind of having your act together, having the appropriate partners on your team and understanding what the financial requirements are going to be for you as an individual to pair with a bank loan. I got to circle back on part of your answer to, to have you unpack a little bit, but um, you know, I've always been, I don't know, call it cynical or whatever about, about banking in general, that banks, you know, the old, the old adage that banks only like to lend money to people that don't need it. So yeah. I know that's not true, but, um, but why would somebody's high net worth just as a partner disqualify them from, from working with you guys? Yeah. So there's two types of lending. Uh, and I would say that 85% of breweries fall into what's called government guaranteed lending. So you would know that as SBA lending or USDA lending, and then the SBA breaks down into the 7A or the 504. Uh, So the main purpose of the SBA is to encourage banks and to encourage lending institutions to make loans to small business, right? Their focus is on people who have small business. So in in an example, I'm just going to give you an example. Let's say that you have someone who needs to borrow $500,000. That's a pretty small brewery loan. Um, just in in kind of the scheme of things. Uh, But if you have someone that has, you know, $100,000 to to their name, they can put some equity in and then they have a little bit of reserves when it goes wrong. If that same person has $5 million, then they don't have that need for the government to help back and encourage the bank to do that loan. They can get more conventional lending and we can do that lending. And so the, the discussion with this guy was, it really needs to be an SBA loan because it was a startup. There's no historical track record. Gotcha. And so when you have someone that has four or five or six times what you want to borrow, it disqualifies you from having that need to go with the SBA. Well, that makes total sense. And and uh, I didn't want to make any assumptions. So that uh, it, rolling it back to be an SBA type related things that makes it make sense. Um, you mentioned at the very beginning that you're focused on expansions, not not just startups, but also expansions of existing operations. So, what uh, what are some typical financing financing structures for expansions? So, right now, you're really seeing two different type of expansions. You're seeing second, second, third, fourth, fifth location expansions, or you're seeing expansions within their existing facility. Um, so right now I'm working with a, a brewery that has hit capacity, which is, I think what every brewery would want is they physically cannot brew any more beer on the system and in the space that they're in. So they're going out and purchasing a second location and putting much larger equipment within that uh, second location to provide two things. It provides them a second location for people to consume their beer. They'll have another tap room. And it also gives them this much larger capacity to go and start getting more of their beer into distribution. So they have demand 
that they can't meet. So more cans will go out or kegs will go out and they'll be able to do that. Um, so that's one type. The other type is, hey, we, we are in a space that's large enough, but we started out maybe underfunded. And so we need to have a bigger brewing system. We need bigger tanks. We need, um, you know, more maybe to add on, or we may, maybe need to purchase a building that we started leasing. And so that, that, those are two different types of expansions we see. Both of them require projections to kind of help us un- identify what potential revenue is going to be. Uh, but they do definitely look uh, very different. One may just be giving, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for new equipment and another may be a two or $3 million building purchase and large expansion opportunity. All right. This next question's a, a bit of a thinker, so hang on to your hat, but what's a, a question that uh, you wish people would ask you, but that no one ever does? So it is a thinker. And where I think that a lot of people have is they get caught up in the immediate need. So what they come to me with is a, a I need money today to start this dream. And one of the questions I wish they would ask is, what do we need to do to make myself look good in 10 years or help my brand be successful in 10 years? And a lot of times that may be something very different than what it's going to take for them just to kind of open the doors. Sometimes my recommendation may be you should wait six months and go raise another 50000 in capital. Or is that really going to be the space that you want to grow into? So I really wish people would ask me and have better discussions about forward thinking. Um, you know, they, they're thinking about this immediate need. I have a dream to start a brewery or a winery or a distillery. And they really don't think of what's my exit plan? What is it going to take for me to be successful? How do I maximize uh, the return uh, down the road for this? And you and I talked a little bit earlier as, as a prep for the show. And did you say that you've been in commercial banking now for 18 years? Is that? I've been in, yes. For 18 years. So, and I know you had a, a, a couple other career paths prior to that, but, but, and we don't need to talk about that, but I'm wanting to kind of drill in a little bit. When you were first thinking about making the switch to get into commercial banking and you, you know, you had in your mind all the the benefits, the ups and the downs and the the pluses and minuses after doing it for a while. And then really at the 18 year mark, what has been um, an interesting uh, surprise for you that you just didn't expect when you were thinking about making that career change? So the biggest part is my now ability to root on small business, right? It is that place where when, you know, I haven't always been in craft beverage lending, uh, but you would go and you'd finance a restaurant and then I'd get to take my wife and we'd go eat at that restaurant and the owners would come out. And, uh, you know, when I went on the very first brewery tour of one of the very first ones that I uh, financed, the owner had a big crowd and he said, none of this would have been made possible without Jason Sleeman right over there. Oh, man. He's the one who gave us the money to do this. And so I have been so surprised at the relationship and the ability to support small business with my dollars and my blood and sweat and effort. And so it it allows me to basically take a huge city like Atlanta and make it feel like a small town because I know the business owners, I'm invested in the community and we've really formed a relationship. Man, what a fulfilling and rewarding uh set of experiences. I know it just wasn't a one-off for you when that type of thing happened, but that is, that is really great. 
Well, Jason, that, that kind of brings us to an end. Um, tell the audience how to get in touch with you for, uh, for commercial banking related with craft brewing. Perfect. Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's under Jason Sleeman. Uh, my email is Jason underscore Sleeman at United Community, or I'm sorry, it's at UCBI.com or my phone number is 404-375-3945. Jason, thanks. Thank you. All right. Roy Hickman with Accent Graphics, owner and president of Accent Graphics. Uh, Before I ask you to introduce yourself, I'm just going to say something that uh, is interesting. And I know this comes from the show prep that you and I did. You've been in this business for 37 plus years. Uh, Yeah, I've actually been in it a little bit longer than that. I've been an owner for that period of time. I I got started as a senior in high school. I really had no desire to go to to go to college, my father actually couldn't afford to put me through school. And I just figured I needed to find a trade that I might enjoy and, and whatnot. And I got into printing. And within three to four years, I was a co-owner in a business. And that didn't work out exactly as like I wanted it to. So I, I left and started this company 37 years ago or 34 years ago. So, you know, that kind of takes care of the question of uh, tell the audience who you are and what do you do. Uh, <laughs> but I you know, sorry about stumbling into that, but that, that, uh, that's the thing that blows my mind. Um, because I mean, you have seen all of, I would say the most, well, not the most significant changes in the printing industry over time, but certainly over, over recent history, you've, you've, you've seen it all. Well, I have. I mean, when I went to work, uh, for the family friend that started me in the business, I mean, he was a craftsman and you had to really hone your skill to to be able to do what we do. You had to be a chemist every day to deal with all the different, uh, whether it was something in the air, something in the water, because printing is basically a chemistry of mixing ink and water to make sure that your product comes out looking great. And now it's almost turnkey. It's almost push button because of the digital age. We still do it the old fashioned way, but we can also do it the the newfangled way, as I like to call it. So what, uh, what technology are you deploying that's that's relatively recent? Well, when digital printing first came out, you know, recent in terms of uh, relative to the printing industry, I mean, printing goes back several hundred years, uh, you know, when the original offset press was invented, it was a letter press. But uh, relative being, you know, 12, 12 years ago or so when digital first came about, it wasn't great, but it was okay. It was acceptable. People kind of accepted it because they knew they could get it quickly. And we, we jumped into it uh, with both feet. We knew that that was the direction we needed to go. And uh, we've constantly added new digital technology to our capabilities, uh, large format. We also have a, a machine that prints five color, uh, which prints white ink, which is uh, we're one of the few printers in the state of Georgia that has the ability to print white ink on dark stocks. Do you have a, a success story um, that you that's in your hip pocket that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, my favorite one is a is a good friend of mine is a senior vice president of a large uh, supplemental health insurance company, and he called me about three years ago, kind of in a panic. And the interesting thing is, this company owns their own printing business, and uh, he called me a little bit of a panic. He said, "Hey, I I need twenty five thousand twelve page brochures printed." within a week's time and shipped over 500 locations. 
And I told him, send it on. We'll, we'll get it done. And he said, on top of that, I've got 68 locations that need these brochures within 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So that's where we put our digital equipment to work right away. We could, we were able to jump on it right away. And then the remaining uh, quantity of brochures we were able to throw in our offset uh, equipment. We got it all done, shipped out on time. Everybody got their packages on time. And uh, when it was all said and done with, he sent me a nice email. Thank you for me for a job well done. And then the last part of the story, I hope, is the client uh, paid you on time. <laughs> yeah, he's a friend of mine, so he took care of me there. You know where he lives. So Absolutely. He's definitely paying you one way or another. Well, what uh, what is an ideal client for you, Roy? You know, we we typically like somebody that, that does stuff on a regular basis. So if there's a client out there that does... Uh, say postcard mailings on a regular basis or, uh, you know, churches are really great clients for us because they, you know, they're doing bulletins uh, every Sunday. Um, They're doing outreach ministries on a continual basis. Uh, Companies that that still maybe do newsletters or have information that they need to get out. Um, Companies that do regular, you know, monthly or, or often printing. And how are you finding your clients? Well, uh, several ways. I mean, we, we have a couple of salespeople that are out, you know, calling on us. We, uh, we have a referral network that, uh, that we're a part of as well. And, uh, we're constantly asking our clients for, uh, referrals. And, um, regarding uh, a new client getting either information or pricing for a new job, what's the, what's the best way for a new potential client to do that for you? When we're getting a new job, um, best thing is to either reach out to us by email or phone call. And now that we're in the digital age, uh, most of it's done over email. They they may have a logo or something that they've printed before, and they just need to simply send us a copy of that so that we have it. Uh, we have the capability uh, to take a job from start to finish. So we've got the graphic design capability where we can create the piece up front, send them a PDF proof that they have the ability to manipulate and let us know changes that they need to be made to it before we go to press. So full disclosure to the listening audience, um, Roy is not only a uh, client of mine at Team Logic IT, but he's also a, um, <clears throat> a vendor partner. And I've, I've used Roy and his services many times. And the, my testimonial that I'd like to give for Roy is this. Um, I don't know, Roy, what have, we, what have we done? Three or four, maybe five projects over, over the last year or so. Sounds about right. And none of them are big. I mean, these are just small projects. I think the largest one was maybe a thousand dollar project, but Roy, Roy, you, you always make me feel like I'm the CEO of UPS or Home Depot or something like that. And uh, that's really meaningful and, and really appreciated by another you know, speaking from the point of view of another small businessman. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for being so diligent and attentive to, um, to the needs of small businesses out there. I appreciate that. You know, that's just been something that was ingrained in me from the time I was a little boy. And that's, you know, treat people like you want to be treated. And um, so, you know, growing up and then having the responsibility of my own business, um, I really appreciate every client that walks in the door, no matter how large or small their job is, because at the end of the day, you never know that guy that walks in the door that only needs 250 business cards. Um, you know, his wife might be the 
the marketing coordinator for some large business and he might have that same feeling you had and refer her, her business to me. So you just never really know where it's going to go. So I gotta, I gotta talk about the, the C word, right? COVID we've got to, we're again, we're at the end of October of 2020. We're seven or eight months into the pandemic uh, crisis and it still seems to be a crisis. Although here in Georgia, we're, we're pretty much wide open. But um, how has that affected your business? And then how do you, what do you see for the, uh, the recovery for, with respect to your business? Well, I'm always hopeful. I'm always uh, very optimistic about, you know, our future. And um, it, it has affected our business uh, substantially. Um, you know, there was a time that we were off as much as 50%. I would say on average, we're probably off 15 to 20%. Um, a lot of our clients still have not opened their doors because they have the ability to work virtual. And if, if clients that consume printing are working virtually, they're not consuming printing. Uh, a large part of our client base uh, are churches, private schools, and event planners. And with events being shut down right now, for the most part, or being kept very small, um, and or uh, churches with limited capacity, uh, which means they're probably not doing their outreach ministries and things like that. And to some degree, the private schools um, just not doing as much printing as uh, as they have done in the past has affected us quite a bit. Um, we were able to pivot in some other directions to help us out with that. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, maybe by the end of the year or early spring that we'll start to see uh, a definite change and move back to some type of relative normalcy. Um, okay, good. Um, that's interesting. Talk to us about, uh, I'm going to go back to tech technology and technological changes. And, um, you know, I myself learned an interesting lesson the hard way about using, um, I guess I'd call it internet printing services. So talk about that type of, or that aspect of your industry, the competitive factors that it and pressures that it puts on you and why you're working with accent graphics graphics is a differentiator. That's a great question. Um, you know, the online people, the online printers, uh, so to speak that, uh, advertise pretty heavily, um, you know, they, they want you to get used to their software program and they have a lot of giveaways. For example, you know, they'll do 250 business cards for 10 bucks or whatever. Very, very hard to compete with. But what they want is they want the user to get used to their uh, software platform so that in the future when they need other things, uh, you know, they'll, they'll feel comfortable going back to it. What the majority of my clients have told me over the years is that Number one, they don't get the personal service that they get uh, through the online guy like they get with me. You know, I pick up the phone, I answer, I solve their questions, uh, I hold their hand if I need to, I walk them through the process. And you know, unfortunately, all that costs a little bit more money because it, it takes the time of somebody or a customer service rep or whatever to do that. For the online people, you're just essentially dealing with a software program. And when you send in your artwork, if it's if it's not what, you know, up to speed or up to resolution, you're still going to get back whatever you send in, where if you send us something and we get it on press and we see it looks bad, we're going to pick up the phone and call you and say, there's something wrong with the file that you supplied us. 
I don't think we should run this. And we'll even offer a digital proof for you to come by and look at so you can confirm what we what we're seeing. And so, you know, you in printing, there, there was the old saying, you know, uh, you know, get it quickly, get great service, you get a great price, you know, pick two of the three. And t- today that still kind of stands, you know, with the online guy, you, you might get it cheap uh, and you may or may not get it quickly. And the product may or may not be very good. But with us, we try to shoot for all three. We're always customer service oriented first and, and quality oriented second. And then we're going to try our best to get as close as we can to the price you need it to be. Great. Well, Roy, my favorite favorite question to ask in every interview is what's a question that you wish people would ask you, but that no one ever does. That's funny. Uh, I thought about that. I thought, you know, uh, Hey Roy, I, I I love printing. Can I buy your business? And (laughs) that's really not it. But I think for my clients, um, (laughs) I would love it if my clients, when we're talking about work that they're, that maybe they've had done elsewhere in the past. If they would ask me a question like, you know, are you willing to, you know, match the current price that I've, I've gotten? And the answer in every case is always yes. As long as it's a, a current competitive price, um, you know, these, some of these fly by nights that you see on online, it's hard to compete with those. We have, we've, we have competed with some of the bigger names. And then also, you know, it needs to be a legitimate quote it can't just be some guy that happens to have a press in his garage and he's just you know making a little money on the side so um i, I wish the clients would give us the opportunity and ask us hey you know, would you be, be willing to meet a, a former price that i had that you know we had done maybe three months ago so almost 40 years ago you were a young guy in the uh, breaking into the printing business and you were thinking about starting your own and you you were thinking about the pluses and the minuses of being a, a business owner, you know, risking some capital to take a fly at it. But here we are 37 plus years later, and uh, I want you to think back. What over the years has been your most interesting surprise, a pleasant surprise or positive surprise that you didn't really see going into this business? Well, when I, when I started uh, Accent Graphics, 34 years ago, um, it was 12, 18 hour days. It was uh, nose of the grindstone every day. It was changing clothes to be able to go back and run the equipment, change clothes to put on the sales clothes and go out and call up clients and everywhere in between. Sometimes we were working or I was working seven days a week um, and eventually built the business to where I had 16 or 17 employees. Then as we started to kind of plane out, you know, we at this point, we've been in business maybe 10 years or so. Um, I started to realize that I could shape and build this business really just about any way that I wanted to. And I started doing that because one of my loves is coaching kids in football and in baseball. And I was invited I, at, at the time I had been coaching football for maybe 20 years, uh, maybe 18 years, something like that. And uh, one of our high school coaches asked me to join his staff. And so I wanted to figure out a way that I could shape my business to allow me to go coach high school football. And um, I was able to make it work out. So it's really uh, the em- embracing and discovering the entrepreneur's lifestyle. That's, that's the big surprise. 
Yeah, you know, I'm still married to this business 24-7. It feels like even when I go on vacation, I'm always checking emails, checking in with the office, answering clients, phone calls, you know, doing quotes and stuff like that. But uh, it is nice to be able to control, to some degree, the time that you can get away, whether it's with family or with a hobby, you know, such as coaching ball or whatever. Great. Well, we're we're running up against the our block of times. So tell the audience how to get in touch with you. Well, um, you can reach me. You can look me up on LinkedIn under Roy Hickman. Uh, the company name again is Accent Graphics. My email is Roy at agprintco.com. Uh, my, uh, our phone number here is 770-455-3366. And we're here Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 p.m. Roy, thanks. Appreciate it, Rick. It was fun. Yeah, it really was. And you did a good job. We really appreciate you. Folks, uh, that's a wrap for the show. IT Help Atlanta is brought to you by Team Logic IT, your managed services advisor. We make technology work for business. For my special guests, Jason Sleeman and Roy Hickman, I'm Rick Higgins with Team Logic IT. And join us next time on IT Help Atlanta.